We continue in our series based on Isaiah 61, a prophecy that describes the kingdom of God. The Messiah calls his people to build and embody and also hope for. Uh, Again, back in Luke 4, Jesus reads this passage uh, from Isaiah 61 in the local synagogue and declares it's been fulfilled in him. And he both begins his ministry, but also publicly declares what he's come to do for God's people, for his children. And so we continue looking at uh, signs that we see in this, and we read from the second chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 11, about the first uh, miracle that Jesus does in his ministry. And we read this in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the word of the Lord. It might seem a strange miracle for which Jesus begins his ministry. Of all the signs and wonders he would eventually perform later in the Gospels, these moments, those moments calling upon the very power of God and revealing the glory of heaven in ways that made people gasp and and wonder, turning water into wine at a wedding seems a little bit anticlimactic. Feeding the 5,000 with uh, five loaves of bread and two fish uh, meets a great need with an even greater grace. Healing countless men and women of leprosy and disease and injury reverses the fortunes of desperate people in ways we can hardly comprehend. When, When Jesus suspends the laws of nature to walk on water or calm a storm, we marvel. Everybody then marveled too. But today, at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, we have the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine at a wedding. Of course, these kinds of transformations, turning water to wine, don't typically happen in our daily experience, even if we hope they would. It would be nice for all of the water in the house to turn to wine on some days. (laughs) At first glance, this miracle seems just a little bit out of place. Yes, running out of wine would bring social shame on the bride and groom, but it wasn't the end of the world. 
Their guests would have been disappointed that the party ended sooner than they liked, but it wasn't like somebody's health or life hung in the balance. It seems almost inconsequential. Why would he be concerned? Why would the Son of God be concerned with this kind of miracle? Typically, the God of the universe is more concerned with bigger and more pressing issues of the world. Other miracles that we see in the Gospels and even in the Old Testament reflect all of those things that he's deeply concerned about, like rescuing his people or directing the rise and fall of nations. Why should a lack of wine concern him? If he was trying to reveal his glory, like John says, he could have done something more obviously glorious to, uh, to uh, kind of done something more obviously glorious to get his people to notice how God now was walking among them. But instead, he turns water into wine, the very first miracle of his ministry. And even if we might overlook it as unimportant, the reality is far more profound. In the Gospel of John, especially, the signs and wonders of Jesus are designed to point to God and his goodness. Uh, Biblical scholar uh, N.T. Wright says the signs in John are moments when, to people who watch with at least a little faith, the angels of God are going up and coming down at the place wherever Jesus is. They are moments when heaven is opened, when the transforming power of God's love bursts into the present world. Moments where heaven and earth intersect with one another. The different dimension of reality that comes into being whenever Jesus is present. And when, as Mary tells the servants, people do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Every miracle serves as a vision of what the world will look like once Jesus reigns in the hearts of humanity. A glimpse into the future when God floods the earth and his people with his presence. And here, in the unexpected setting of a wedding in a small town of Cana, the glory of God crashes into our world. In rescuing a joyous occasion from disappointment and disgrace, Jesus gives us a glimpse into the beauty of God's coming kingdom. This miracle does not attract the attention of thousands. In fact, it says that the only people who really knew what had happened were the servants who were back there with Jesus. It occurs behind the scenes of the main events among cement jars with waiters on an ordinary day at a regular wedding. Unlike other moments of grand transformation, this miracle was concerned with how our God showers the beauty of his grace into everyday life. Here, God transforms regular water into wine, connecting the good and beautiful things of this world back to himself. Indeed, Jesus turning water to wine reveals the deep love God has for his children in four unique ways. First, the abundance of wine points to our God's extravagant grace. Our God has always filled this world with his beauty with good things designed to capture the imagination of his children and lead them back to himself. Anything in this life we know to be beautiful, uh, a sunset, 
the bright leaves of color and autumn, anything or any moment or any person that brings us joy, all of it is an echo of God's beauty embedded in his creation. I think it's important, and we sometimes maybe don't realize this, but our God didn't have to create this world to be beautiful, but he did anyway. He could have created the world so that the sun came up like we switched the lights on in the morning, using only colors in a grayscale or allowed the changes in the seasons to happen overnight without fanfare. But he instead poured his creativity into the world so we might understand he loves us and wants us to live in the joy of his presence. Our God abundantly blesses his children. Preacher Alistair Begg summarizes how God blesses his children like this. God does not administer his grace in percentages. He lavishes it. He pours it out. And out of the, abundan- out of the abundance of his heart in Jesus, he has given to his people one blessing after another. In this miracle, God shows his extravagant grace by turning a large amount of water into wine. John says, as likely as an eyewitness, that Jesus turns the water of six stone water jars uh, into wine, each containing uh, two or three firkins apiece. Uh, we read that it uh, contains about 20 or 30 gallons each. So six, if you do a quick math, it's about more or less 180 gallons of water turned into wine for the reception. That seems like a bit more than you would need for a wedding. <laughs> 180 gallons. That is a little bit more than, than, than normal. He surprises the steward of the ceremony even more, not just by bringing out extra wine, but a wine of obviously superior Quality. The steward is confused because he said, usually you give the good wine first so that once the people are a little bit, you know, wine drunk, drunk, um, you know, once they have drunk too much, uh, you know, the, the poor wine will not be as much. And, you know, you know, people won't notice. But Jesus loves these people and he loves the bride and the groom. And so he gives them better wine than they had before. Now, in the Old Testament, it's not just that wine is good, but it has always been associated with God's joy and blessing. Zechariah 10 compares the restoration of God's people with the gladness of God's ultimate celebration, declaring that the people, uh, that when God comes to his people, they will become like mighty warriors, and their hearts will be made happy as if by wine. Their children, too, will see it and be glad. Their hearts will rejoice in the Lord because God was with them. Uh, scholar uh, Gordon uh, Fee, he's a, a commentator, he, he writes that the symbolism of turning water into the best wine points to the coming of God's kingdom for us today. He says, Jesus transforms the water into wine not merely to protect the honor of the bride and groom, but to symbolize in Jesus the new age of abundant blessing. This sign is Jesus' first recorded miracle. It is religiously symbolic beyond just it being wine. 
The grace of God foreshadows our own restoration and the impending arrival of an entirely new reality, a reality where God will give each of his children more than we need. Second, the beauty that our God scatters into this world is not random, but deeply personal. Although it's not his only reason for performing this miracle, Jesus cares about the honor of the groom and his family. He desired not only that they avoid shame, but they should be honored, that they should be blessed, that people go away saying, do you remember that wedding when you know we had 180 gallons of wine? We experience a much greater exchange in our union with Jesus who takes the weight of our sin and gives us his righteousness in return, taking our death onto himself so we might experience new and eternal life. Jesus pours out his grace in this miracle so the bride and groom might embody the exchange he extends to everyone in his death and resurrection. Rather than be disgraced or forgotten or cast aside, we are blessed, we are claimed, we are remembered, we are rescued. They are invited into new and abundant life just like we are in Jesus. Like so many miracles our God does for his children, the wonder of this miracle is is enhanced. It's multiplied by being explicitly specific. This miracle matters to someone. So God uses his power to restore what might be lost. This means, too, that every blessing of beauty or wonder we experience in this life has been designed to remind us of his love. When I was a kid, my grandfather uh, created this elaborate treasure hunt for me and my cousins during a family beach trip. He loved pirates. He loved telling us stories about pirates. Um, From our perspective, his claim of finding a real pirate's treasure map didn't just blow our minds uh, one afternoon. It invited us into an actual adventure. And so about an hour before sunset, we all walked with him out to the beach and we followed the directions on the map. Uh, He had painstakingly created clues for us to follow. And eventually he let us take turns digging up a small silver chest. And inside, and we found treasure. We found, we were amazed to find silver dollars and quarters and nickels along with chocolate coins and tiny bars of chocolate, all amazingly, which could be divided equally among his grandchildren. (laughs) Now, most of us figured out pirates didn't have coins or candy from our time. It just wasn't real, but it didn't really surprise, it didn't spoil our surprise or delight. Discovering treasure that had been lost long ago by a random pirate would have been thrilling, but the treasure we found had been put there specifically for us. The treasure we dug up had been put there by someone we loved and someone that we loved deeply in return. This miracle at the wedding, all the moments of beauty in this world work the same way. Jesus turned water into wine so this bride and groom's feast might continue. He did this because he loved them, and he extends those same moments of grace and wonder, blessings we have never earned but receive anyway because he loves us too. John Calvin says it like this, There is not one blade of grass 
There's no color in this world that is not intended to make us rejoice. Whenever beauty breaks into our life, we should remember his love. Third, this miracle points to how God unites our life to his and makes us beautiful too. The setting of this miracle matters. Jesus turns water to wine, not at a funeral, not in a synagogue or in a disciple's home, but at a wedding. After a bride and groom join their lives to become one flesh, Jesus points to the impending joy of our union with God through his death and resurrection. Throughout scripture, weddings have typically been used to signify God's plan of salvation for his children, how he will redeem his rebellious children and give them new life. N.T. Wright says that wedding is a foretaste. This wedding is a foretaste of the great heavenly feast in store for God's people in Revelation. The water jars used for Jewish purification rites are a sign that God is doing something new in the Jewish system, bringing purification to Israel and the world in a whole new way. This comparison goes even further if you consider that Jesus turns normal water into an element of blessing, which is exactly what he does with you and me. Jesus fills us. He fills us empty jars with water and transforms us to be extravagant avenues of blessing so that we might bless the world. He came, as he writes in John 10, 10, that we might have life in its fullness and abundance, that we might be connected to an eternal spring of never-ending love and peace and joy. When Jesus makes his home in us, we are made beautiful too. Jonathan Edwards wrote, that, uh, wrote this, what an honor it must be for all of us to be a creature who is infinitely below God and less than he to be beautified and adorned with this grace, with that beauty, which is the highest beauty of God himself, even holiness. Paul writes in Ephesians that we are God's masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. As we conform our lives, our souls to our Savior, we reflect the same beauty we know in his love for us. Finally, the beauty we find in our world tells us that our gracious God is always closer than we think. Every miracle of Jesus inherently points to the reality that our God is breaking into this broken world to make his people and this whole universe new. In February of this year, archaeologists working in London discovered one of the largest Roman-era mosaics ever found in Britain. A company was expanding, and during construction, workers accidentally discovered this uniquely beautiful work of art under the dirt and mud. It had been lost for centuries. One of the archaeologists described the tile work like this. This mosaic uh, panels are made from small colored tiles formed into geometric patterns and intertwined strands 
surrounding stylized flowers. It's beautiful. You can see pictures of it uh, uh, if you just look it up. They estimate the mosaic was part of a mansion that was just outside of Londinium, the Roman settlement at the time. Uh, what's interesting, though, is that some of the workers expressed amazement that no one knew this work of art had always been there, existing for centuries just under their feet. The beauty we know through the gifts of God in this world and the salvation we receive in Jesus works the same way. The miracle of turning water to wine reveals that our God is closer than we think. Henry Nouwen writes that something very deep and very mysterious, very holy and sacred is taking place in our lives right where we are. And the more attentive we become, the more we will begin to see and hear it. This miracle shows that our God is moving in our world, that he is moving in your life. If the glory of God can show up in a glass of wine at a small wedding outside of Cana, he can show up anywhere. For many of us, we we sometimes have a hard time recognizing God in the mundane, in the ordinary, sometimes boring parts of life. We don't expect to find God uh, in commonplace things or expect him to show up in our routines. And if we do... We typically don't know exactly how to respond. It's like suddenly winning the lottery when you hadn't even bought a ticket. You just kind of go, what just happened? How is God doing this? Why am I receiving this blessing? Why is he telling me that he loves me? More often than not, we fail to recognize the hand and presence of our God moving in the world. We're like this steward, this master of the feast, startled by the unexplainable. We search for the author of these blessings in the wrong places, but this miracle tells us our God is always moving in this world. He is showering his children with gifts that if seen with the eyes of faith will lead us back to our good father who loves us more than we can imagine. And so as the grace of God is being continually poured out, In this world, through Jesus, I encourage you, I encourage our church to take a cup and take a drink of his unending and amazing grace. Hallelujah. Amen.